0: Uh, is a young investor. He started when he was 18 or 19. We're going to hear about it right now on the show. But it's crazy. He talks a lot about how the story uh, of early on in his life really shaped him getting into real estate investing and even thinking that maybe it was the option. And by the end of the episode, you can really hear how some of these experiences early on in his life really sent him down this path to have the success that he's now having. You know, he's only 26 years old. He's he's on track to do you know a ton, a ton of real estate deals. But it's cool to kind of get into his mindset. So I really hope you guys will dive in deep on this one. Um, regardless of your niche, he talks about life type type topics, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So. Uh, as we are going to be jumping into the episode, please guys do it as I always ask you to do. Please head to iTunes, drop a five-star review and write up something nice for us. It, it really helps us a ton reach more people and we love seeing it. We love seeing it and it makes a big difference. And uh, if you're not already a part of it, go join the Insider Club for free at theinvestormindset.com to find out more about some of the cool stuff that we have coming down the pipeline, some of the events and other great things that we're going to be doing here to keep adding more value to you guys and keep contributing to living a better life and improving our mindset. So let's get into this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I have another great guest in the studio, Ryan Shalaba. How you doing, Ryan? Pretty good, pretty good. I am excited because Ryan is an amazing uh, real estate investor, managing partner in a home buying group, co-host of the Flip Talk podcast and head of Flip PGH events. And over the last three years, him and his partner, Aaron, have grown their house buying company from zero to 11 million in sales while housing 19 full-time employees. And their main focus is fix and flip and wholesale and will complete around 140 or 150 transactions this year. It's a ton of transactions. Ryan's stories and advice will come from a position of having done it and not just read about it. You know, he's a true integrator and an incredible investor, and I'm really grateful to have you on the show today. Thanks, man. You ready to get started?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So Obviously, with growing a business where you can be able to be, do that many transactions, you've you found your stride. But if we start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today?
1: Well, I mean, a lot of them, obviously. But um, I'm actually a younger guy, so I'm 26. I started uh, I started investing in real estate when I was 19. Um, but really, where kind of my origins of just like entrepreneurship and wanting to build a business go back to uh, spending times as a kid with my dad, and uh, he worked for a company called U.S. Airways, and uh, I was an airline industry or in the airline industry. And in 2002 and 2004, uh, that company filed bankruptcy twice. And so in about an 18-month span, I basically watched my my dad go from just fun-loving guy, comfortable, never worried about money, anything like that. We had a family of four. We raced motocross. We went on vacations. We could do all of that stuff. To um, you know, And him having put 23 years into the company, at that point, uh, they lost their pensions, they lost their four hundred one ks, and their salaries were cut in half, like basically overnight. And um, mm. so, but from right there, pretty much uh, everything changed. And you know, just his whole whole mentality, his his whole spirit, all of those things kind of kind of slowed down, became a little bit crushed. And he was trying to figure out how to rebuild himself. Every day it was more like, okay, how are we gonna, you know kind of stay comfortable and, and he didn't want us to feel it. So from then on, I was about, I was just about 10 years old, 10, 11 years old when all that happened. But our conversations even changed to start talking about things like, you know, flipping speakers and doing side businesses and cutting grass and, uh, plowing driveways, like all of these little things to, to bring in extra money and really control the dollar coming in, um, And so a lot of, a lot of that early on, like going through that experience. And then, um, my parents actually got divorced, uh, when I was 16. Um, so I was 16. My, my, my sister was 12 and they did a great, I mean, they did a great job. Um, you know, kind of sheltering us from that, but then going through Mm -hmm. all of that and it just kind of gave me this early mentality of, like full on ownership, like that you got to own every single waking minute of your day, your thoughts, what you do, how you react to things, how you plan—that uh, you have control of that uh, as long as you control it. And so a lot of that, you know, really kind of gave me the foundations for what ended up coming out later, not not necessarily back then, because I I, I went to college. Uh, I only went for two years. I hated every second of it. It just, I wasn't learning what I knew worked. I was learning theory. I wasn't learning tactics, right? And I had a lot of professors there who were great mentors and were just like, yeah, dude, you're not built for this. (laughs) Um, You got to get out there Mm -hmm. and go take some risks, go go start some stuff. Because again, because of all these conversations that my dad and I had had as a kid, really kind of led me then into the business and real estate world.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, what in it, can we just take a moment and just say, wow, right? If you if you look at your dad's story and that, and the fact that he had given his life to this company, he had been operating under the old model, mm-hmm. right? Of 20 years plus working at a company, believing that money's good, my retirement's good, I've got everything set. And then all, all of a sudden out of nowhere, just having it completely ripped away. And having this whole view, you know, almost his entire identity got taken away in that moment where he went from thinking, hey, well, I'm, you know, I'm dad and I work here and I'm a provider to all of a sudden realizing like, you know, that's not there. And it obviously it shook shook the whole family. And uh, but it's um it's it's really inspiring that you were able to take something away from that and start taking ownership of your own career and start going after real estate the way you did.
1: Yeah. So once I was in college, I went to a school that, that I went to a great great school, got great money to go there uh, to go play football, but more importantly for academics, and. We just have we're just continuing to have these conversations. I'm just like, dude, I'm not built for this. I'm not built for this. And I was like, I really want to get into real estate. And so during like my I was like 18 and I got actually as soon as I could get my real estate license, I went and got my like a uh, realtor's license. So I'm I'm coming home on the weekends, basically trying to sell houses for beer money, like <laughs> uh while I was in <laughs> college and and uh but I'm like, man, I gotta I gotta go do something more with this. Like I know that that real estate's where most you know most of the wealth is built. This and that, uh, but I know it's not getting a commission check as an agent. So like, what is it? So then I I came home uh, that uh, first summer, of freshman year, and I went and started working for a home builder. So then I was like, okay, he, my dad's like, if you want to get into real estate, then you need to go and do the hard work. So I started working, you know, mm-hmm. doing the actual labor and building houses, and then I. Uh, got fired from that job (laughs) because I was trying to work (laughs) deals. I was trying to like get set up, start wholesaling on the side and stuff like that. And then um, I went to go work for a, for a flipper and I was again doing like the manual labor and I was just kind of like, man, if this guy can make money, the kind of money he says he's making in real estate, then like, I can definitely do it because this guy's not really that that smart. <laughs> um,
0: oh God! So that then, is that is one of my favorite lines. Yeah. You know, if <laughs> if he can do it, I can do it. I know I have a story that's just the same. And so you're looking at this guy and he's doing it and he's succeeding, and you're like, wow. I mean, this guy's a total idiot. If yeah. if if he can do it, I definitely can. I'm do like, it. he's
1: and he's and he's not doing it right. Like I'm I'm 19, but I know he's not doing this right. You know, one man band just couldn't get any stability type type thing. Like it's just still, he's just self employed basically, right? In a different venture. So then, sophomore year now, I'm I'm 19. I'm going on going on 20. My dad actually got me tickets um, to go to one of like those three day seminars, and it was for him just as a, just as much as it was for me because he was like, okay, I got to go buy. I want to go buy some rentals. Uh, Mm -hmm. and let's get into real estate together. Let's start flipping houses. And I was like, heck yeah. Well, he ended up maxing out his credit card and taking a line of credit to join, you know, one of the big box education companies. Um, we went absolutely Mm -hmm. all in at that point. And, um, for like the first three months we were like, okay, we're going to start and figure out how to, how to do this. My dad's working his nine to five. I'm in college. So I'm two hours away and I'm trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how to launch wholesaling in, in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, battling all of the the naysayers, the haters, the family, the friends, my college roommates, all of that. Just like, what are you, Chalaba? You're so dumb. Like, what are you doing, man? Just focus on your books and this and that. And too young. No one's going to talk to you. Like, everything that, that you could think. And um, this is actually a story I'm glad we get to save um, for this because it is a mindset podcast. A uh, little known story is that. A couple of months into our venture starting out, I actually fired my dad <laughs> um, wow. from from our day to day because I was I was trying to get marketing going. I'm, I'm trying to you know get buyers. I'm trying to get houses under contract, and he didn't want to take any risks, didn't want to put any dollars out for for marketing or anything like that. And I was like, okay, step into my office a.k.a. my bedroom. (laughs) and uh, (laughs) He's like, well, this doesn't sound good. I'm like, dude, I need a budget so that I can market. I need to get housing our contracts so we can get dollars in the door. Why don't I take over the wholesaling and just this day-to-day, which was nothing at this point, by the way, Uh, and then once Mm -hmm. we get some cash in the bank, we'll take it and we'll buy rentals and then you manage that. And uh, So right then and there, he was like, okay, You know, this is your baby. You're going to take it and you're going to run with it. Just pay me back. So it was like a couple months goes by, still no action, and then it was two weeks before I was supposed to report back to football camp. I actually got my first deal, and uh, it was six thousand dollar wholesale fee. And um, so we made a deal. I didn't have to go back that year. If, If I could get it, get a contract, get a house sold before I had to go back, I could take a year off and pursue real estate. And because we had put just the proper foundations in place, like even though things weren't happening dollar wise, we were doing the right things. We were mailing consistently. You know, I was consistently talking with buyers, going on appointments, making offers. I was doing these things every single day. So then, after I closed that first one, in the next forty five days, I had closed another seven deals, uh, and we had made a total of thirty nine thousand um, dollars. So we were able to. So I was able to pay back the uh, the education. To him, uh, and have a little bit of money in the hopper than to just kind of keep getting started. So it was just, uh, you know, it was cool. It was, it was really my jumpstart uh, into real estate. Well, that's
0: such a cool way to get started, especially so young. And so for all those people who are trying to make it up an excuse that they're not old enough, or they don't have enough money, or they don't have any of these, you know, these they have these limiting beliefs that are holding them from from getting started. I mean, you just went, you went and did it. You went and did it. and You found a way and and it's it's obviously been working. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about what is your day-to-day today? What is your primary focus of your craft?
1: So we're, um, I mean, we're the largest fix-and-flip company here in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. This be the first time I've been able to really say this uh, anywhere, but we were just named um, top 50 fastest-growing uh, private companies in Pittsburgh over the last three years. Um, we'll be inside of the top 500 of the Inc. 5000 list this year. Um but my day to day, we're a fix and flip company. We um have 19 people on staff because we run we run in house construction, so we have in house acquisitions, uh, retail disp- dispositions, and we do in house construction. Um, you know, like I said, I think I said in the bio, this year we'll buy somewhere between 70 and 80 houses, and we'll sell somewhere between 55 and 60. Um, you know, rehab somewhere around that 60 mark with our in house crews and. Do a bunch of wholesale and do a bunch of retail on the side too, but um, my my day to day. So I'm I'm the integrator of the company. My partner is a true a true old fashioned visionary, and when we first got started, the reason why we got together was because uh, he had a construction background. And he knew how to build a house front to back. He, he, you know, he knew all of the, just the right things, right people as far as construction goes. And I was the marketing sales and finance guy. So we were like a perfect marriage. Um, we have kept that basically structure um, up until, you know, now, and we're trying to get out of that and trying to kind of move him up to where he, he's, cause he's, he's burning out a little bit. Um you know, in mm-hmm. that role. So, but my day to day as as the integrator is basically overseeing the company. You know, I'm I'm looking at all the finances. I'm looking at tracking all the metrics and KPIs within the company, um, trying to run from a data standpoint, not like an emotional uh, standpoint, and uh, running our meetings. And then I still do some some bigger visionary things too, just like the the hiring, the you know, looking forward, things like that. But a lot of my day-to-day right now is, is playing maestro, just like his is. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people in all the departments that we need, and it's just kind of making sure that things are getting done whenever they, they need to get done.
0: That's so great that you've been able to build a business that really truly runs like a business, one where the right people are in the right seats, mm-hmm. on the right bus, and you're heading in the right direction. So, why do you think you've succeeded in an industry that's fairly challenging when so many others have
1: failed? I think, um, well, now the reason why we're successful and we've created such a gap between us and anybody else, at least in our market, um, you know, we're a small fish in the pond comparatively, but in our market, it's because we dialed into a niche. And I've always done this from whenever I started, I said, okay, I'm going to wholesale. And I'm going to wholesale until I'm really, really dang good at wholesaling and I don't even have to think about it. And then I'll take on a rehab. And then once we're really, really good at rehabbing, Mm -hmm. uh, then we'll start to wholesale some more. We'll start to do some buy and holds. We'll take on some retail. But we've always had a core focus uh, and said, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And, And we've just gotten really, really efficient at that. So starting off, with just this core focus and saying, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And this is all I'm going to do. No squirrels, no, no, nothing like that uh, until we're really good. Um, And then secondly, we always came from a standpoint of just like a multiplication of efforts. So when it was just Arch and I, we said, okay, well, how are we going to compete with people that have employees and staff and we can't afford this? Well, we have to put in more more sweat equity. We have to work more hours. So we did eighty to one hundred hour weeks for our first three years. I mean, that was that was just how we did it. You know, we the only nights we took off were Thursday nights because those were best party nights, and uh, and we worked through the weekends. <laughs> and then we started hiring staff, and we still worked the same amount of hours. So every time, so we we're working, you know, two hundred hours a week. That's like us, you know, having four people. Um, total, you know, and then continue down that. Now we're hiring somebody else. Now we get another 40 hours, of someone working every single week. And, and we just continued that multiplication to where now Arch and I might only work, uh, we, we're still working 40, 50 hours a week. Don't get me wrong. But we have 19 people doing that as well. Like, so, you know, as one person or two two people, like try competing against that. You know, and and the only time that, that one or two people or three or four people can compete against that is when, you know, that company with 18, 19 people, like you said, aren't in the same ship rowing towards the same direction with the same purpose. That's when it can, can break down. But um, we've been really, really good at, at that over the years. So picking a core focus and then just a multiplication of efforts and, and, truly being consistent every single day at like, what are the core activities that move a business forward? All right, it's the 80-20 rule. 20% of what you actually mm-hmm. do yeah. produces 80% of the results. So let's set proper goals and proper time blocking or days that says, okay, we're going to focus on the rocks to, to really push the company forward versus all the other minutiae. Um, So yeah, those are just some things that we do.
0: Yeah, having that core focus is so critical because I feel like there's so many shiny objects in this space, but really in life. like Regardless whether you're in real estate, there's always a million different things you can try and a million different opportunities to make money or to find passion or fulfillment. And so if you don't have that core focus, you can't get really, really good at something. And if you can't get really, really good at something, you can't be the best. And it's really hard to be able to last Mm -hmm for a long time in an industry if you're not going to have that focus. So I think that is that's that's a powerful concept that I think people can really apply is if they figure out, well, what is that focus going to be for me and how can I make sure that I'm sticking to it as I'm putting in all those hours that it takes to really get started. Yeah.
1: And and it doesn't have to be an absolute either. Like that's something too like I, you know, preparing for this that I really wanted to make a point. Um was that like there's seasons to all of this, you know, and and you can you can wholesale for three or four years while the market's really, really good and it says you should wholesale, and then it might be time to learn with the market turns, it's gonna be time to learn how to buy and hold and become really, really good at that. Like just because you say you're gonna have a core focus doesn't mean it's an absolute forever. Like you have to have, you know, you have to give yourself the ability to adapt and change and and uh and you know and be ready to make those pivots. That's something too that I take into like my personal life, because I am, you know, being a young guy and we've been successful to this point, I quite frankly don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life yet. And some people might think that's crazy, but like, this is what, I, you know, this is the business I want to build for now. This is what I want to do and I love my team and, and everybody mm-hmm. that we work with. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know what's five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. It's like this is my season here right now. It's this company, and, and you know, what I want to do, and uh, I believe that that is okay. <laughs> like, you know, I don't like the um, stigma of like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Well, who knows, you know? And, and so, like, yeah, that was yeah. one thing I, I wanted to make sure I bring up is like, it's okay to to be able to say like, you know, this is what I am doing now. And like I'm doing what I want to do now, I can't I can't predict the future, you know, and say say this is what I want to do forever. Um, But real estate's always an absolute.
0: (laughs) I, I agree with you completely. I'm a big believer that you know I reserve the right to change my mind three minutes from now or three years from now. We might I might have some new information that says. We as a company should go in this different direction, or I should go in this different direction, because you know life changes, and I, I know a lot right now, but I sure know a lot more now than I did three years ago, and I'm sure I know a lot less than I will intend. So I think that's a really smart concept. How would you recommend people go about finding out and figuring out what their core focus should be, and how to um, you know determine
1: that for themselves? Well, I think I think it kind of depends. It always I think it always depends on your situation. Um, you know, who's in your network, what's your experience, what, you know, what do you want to do and who can you team up with that to figure something out that really makes sense. Um, like in our business, you know, in order to maximize my partner and I, the best of our ability, it, it makes sense for us to, you know, be a rehabbing and construction company. Our, our whole thing was if we can figure out how to not have a bottleneck in construction, we can always do whatever we want. So if we could just mm-hmm. figure that out, figure out, um, you know, just some of the things that we've learned owning and running a construction company, then when the market shifts, we could do whatever we want. We can put people, you know, we can uh, put properties in and keep them in the rehab funnel and then hang on to them, or or we can wholesale them off before, like. That didn't matter for us. Um, it's just okay. We got to figure out how to how to get this bottleneck out, and then we just kind of fell into. We didn't fall into a niche, but what ended up happening was back in like 2015, 16, and 17, we were doing just these gut job renovations that were 150, 200 thousand dollar renos. They're not really scalable. Uh, you know you, you can mm-hmm. only do so many of them at a time and yeah. and you can only front so much cash to hold those so we said okay we got to get into just smaller quicker properties and deploy more money and and turn more money uh, so we said okay what's scalable and then we went into just our niche that was more scalable um, and that was really how that became the the total focus and then once we figured out okay we there's enough supply here to buy there's there's enough supply here. This is the right thing. This is the median price point of the market. All signs are pointing to a go that this is what we should be doing. Then we just, we completely revamped our marketing um, to target that. I mean, just completely changed it. We rebranded from Urban Capital to Homebuyers of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we became the number one professional homebuyer in, in Pittsburgh and surrounding four counties. And it was just because we changed our marketing and said, "Okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is all we're going to do." And son of a gun, it worked.
0: <laughs> um, I love, so I love to hear that. You know, setting a direction and having a clear focus and going after it—it's definitely what I've seen is the key to success. And you guys, you guys seem like you've hit it. From your perspective, though, define success for me. What does success mean to you?
1: Not look at the bank account. Uh, the personal bank account, I should say, you know, I, I, again, this is something I don't have yet. I, I do not know what success like looks like for me because some days success to me looks like getting up at 5am, making sure I crush a workout, have a good breakfast, get a full work day and read, um, you know, and, and have quality time. Some days success to me looks like partying on a boat all day you know and not caring about anything else. So I will say that all of that really to me is is the old adage of do what you want when you want who you want and don't care, you know, what it, what it costs or how or what. As long as you're doing what you want to do, like I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm I'm I don't care what you, I don't care what you do. <laughs> um as long as you don't care what I do, like that that's my whole thing. Um because again, And I think a lot of that stems from just my family life growing up and, and just seeing like the constraints uh, when they were there and how I just really turned away from, from having all of that in my life. I don't, I don't even like having a schedule and that's not, it's not Uh good. I know that. And so I fight against it, but like my, my core of me hates having a schedule because i don't want to feel any type of commitment or constraint. So i so a lot of that to me transitions to what how i feel about, you know, success is not being constrained by by money or time or or anything like that.
0: Well, i love the answer. I <laughs> love it no matter what you'd say to be honest because it's it's your answer, but it really sounds to me at the core um, if you were to define mm-hmm. it, it sounds like freedom, you know, not having constraints, being able to do whatever you want. You know that's that's yeah. some powerful
1: and, stuff. Sorry, and I'm like I'm an extremely humble guy. Um, like I don't do I don't do fancy. I don't do the cars. I don't do all that BS. I don't, you know I don't I don't need to sell courses online to fund a lifestyle that that I can't afford. So like like I learned that not to be I won't say like frugal, but like conscious. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like I've I've also learned too. You know, when you go and you buy something like extremely expensive, the second you buy it, it ain't sexy anymore. Like, because it's it's the thrill of getting to the point where you can afford it, and then it's, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but um, I've just all of these material things, like I've transitioned in in my life to like, you know, the time, the the freedom of those things, so that you don't have to have those, and your business doesn't have to uh, conform to this uh, lifestyle that you've created or living outside of your means. Like I want my business to fit into my lifestyle, not the other way around. If that, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. so whether that's, whether it is one day, you know, I need a million dollars a year to live, or I need a hundred thousand dollars a year to live. Like I want to be able to shift and shape shift it to, to make, to make sense at that moment.
0: That's awesome. So, from a habits perspective, what are some of the keystone habits—the things you do on a daily or weekly basis—that lead to your success?
1: Um, ha- I mean, habits. I, I I I read. I read like crazy. Um, I make sure. I definitely make sure I'm reading all the time. I make sure I'm creating new network. I like guess probably where I spend most of my time is, uh, always reaching out to just people that I know are successful or that I should be in the same rooms with things like that. Um, I try to stay healthy, you know, as much as I can. I've, I've failed at that miserably before and getting better now. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. and then I just work my ass off every day. I, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, really other than that. It's just um I try to make sure I, I, I read, I work out, I, I eat decent and that I'm always expanding my network is really my my like, you know, I'd say my my real real habits. Um you know, I don't I don't have a 16-hour uh, time block, that's for sure. <laughs> um
0: You're not you're not going to be putting out those time blocks, you're not going to be scheduling stuff out ahead of time, but uh you seem to have made it work well for you.
1: Yeah, and like in my business, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm checking numbers every single day. I'm checking accounts every single day. I'm checking on tasks, you know, property progresses, um, you know, just the oh, again, the overall integration of of the business. Where what are we doing today to move the needle? Um, my business partner and I did an experiment back in February where we basically for 90 days put ourselves in a position to try to uh, go, you know. Go to Colorado and spend 30 days away from our business and have it operate and come back and you know it still be still be going. Uh, we did that successfully. We bought and sold 17 properties while we were in Breckenridge, Colorado, for the whole month of February. And what we did while we were there was a concept from uh, I I learned it from from Mark Evans uh, DM, but I don't know if they got it from somewhere else or whatever. But I'll so I'll give him the credit. Uh, but it's 10 minute business owner. Um, and it's like, okay, if you're stuck on an island, you get access to a phone for for ten minutes a day, and you need to run your business. Who are you going to talk to? What questions are you are you going to get? Uh, what questions are you going to ask? And what questions are you hoping that they ask so that you literally uh, have every bit of information that you need to know so that you can uh, move the needle? And what we have really done in our business is try to get to the point where. For us, that's one hour a day um, of specifically what is going to move the needle, and then the rest is is work, right? It's it's because we're still sitting in the business now that we're back home and stuff like that. But um, but that's that's really like one of our big habits in our businesses is uh, running traction based meetings, uh, level tens, inventory, same page, all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's made just an amazing difference that's great. Uh, in our business, that's for sure.
0: That's awesome. That's some really good stuff there, Ryan. I really appreciate that. We have made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So you read a lot. Tell us what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now.
1: One I, I read on vacation a few weeks ago and I have already read it again. Uh, it's Dichotomy of Leadership. By uh, Jocko Willick, Leif Bavin. Uh, it's the follow-up book from Extreme Ownership. I think that that book single-handedly uh, is and and probably will be the most impactful book I'll ever read in my life. Um, just from wow. the sheer fact of like everything that we do in our lives is about leadership, um, I, at least the way mm-hmm. I, I feel. And that book is like a true field guide for for how you're just balancing all of these decisions and things every single day, uh, that push and pull. And, um, yeah, so I've already read it twice (laughs) and, um, I'm just, I'm just trying to basically ingrain that into every, you know, my everyday.
0: Is that a book that is set up well for audio book or is that one that you'd recommend people should pick up a copy and read it? Um,
1: I've done it, I've done it both ways. It just depends how you, it just depends how you are. Um, you know, I, I like to do both. If I'm, if it's something that's like really, really good, I, I'll have it on Audible and I'll have it and written, and then i I actually have multiple. I have two. Well I at one point had seven copies of the book, and then I was giving them <laughs> out. But I have two at home. One's blank, and one has a whole bunch of notes in it. So, like, if I find yep. something that's just unreal, I, I usually get two copies of it and uh, leave one blank, just so I don't have my previous thoughts in it. And then I have one where I've, uh-huh. I've, I've taken notes in um, because perspectives change, um, you know, yeah. every, every shoot. I mean, they can change every couple of months, really.
0: That's a really cool way to look at that. I've never heard of keeping two books, but I can definitely see why you do that.
1: Well, I don't buy every, and don't, don't get me wrong. It's not every single book. <laughs> <laughs> like I have like, Four or five books that I have a co- like two copies of.
0: So um, I don't normally ask this now, but you've got four or five books that you think are so good to get two copies. What are those books?
1: How to Win Friends and Influence People, Extreme Ownership, obviously, Dichotomy of Leadership, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and Traction. Are those books that I have right now? I love that, all of those. That books. would stick out in my mind that I'm going back and forth to all the time.
0: Five Dysfunctions of a Team is an incredible book. Uh, it's got so many good good takeaways in it. Yeah,
1: I mean, shoot, I try to. I don't know. I can't say I read a book a week, but like when I get on a hot streak, like I'll I'll crush out some books. That's great. <laughs> But, uh, so,
0: from an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors—the people that you learned from or looked up to over the years—and how did they influence your career?
1: Well, back when I, like I said, back when I first started, obviously, um, you know, my dad's, my dad's definitely my biggest influence uh, in, my, in my life. Uh, from a, from business and mentorship standpoint, I started with a company called Fortune Builders back in the day, uh, Than Merrill. Paul Asian, Conrad, JD, these guys, I mean, this Eric B, like these guys have been in my life for a long time. Um, they taught me the foundations of, of how to build a business, how to, how to work and operate in real estate, basically differently from what most people do, right? It's how to build a business, not, not a job. And, um, from there I've met some of my greatest, uh, greatest network just from that initial thing. Uh, Bob LaChance, one of my one of my greatest mentors in life. Um, now then I've been fortunate enough to Don Costa is another another great guy, and and he's been extremely impactful. My business partner has been awesome. I mean, there's so many people, like my network is is huge right now, and I'm so grateful for it. I, I say this to to uh, my girlfriend all the time. I'm like, babe, if if everything hit the fan like the thing I'm most grateful for is I could pick up the phone and go in any market and run acquisitions for somebody or like mm-hmm. I could go anywhere in the country and I'd have somebody that'd be willing to, to help me get back on my feet. And, um, you know, so Without a doubt. so many mentors and stuff in life, that's for sure.
0: That's awesome. And for those of you who haven't listened to it, episode 24, Don Costa shares some incredible stuff. Don's a friend of mine and, uh, He's got some great stories. You're, you're lucky to have such great mentors around you. So, in, in closing, uh, purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day?
1: I was, was writing, I was trying to write this down like just 30 different ways. And I honestly couldn't come up with another way other than like myself. Um, I think that I believe that you have to be really selfish before you can be selfless. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of your, your body, your mind, you know, your finances, your legacy. And then, you know, you can really go and, and, and give to the world. And so right now for me, you know, I'm focusing on becoming just the best version of myself. Um, I've done really, really good in business. I've lacked in, in, um, personal and friends and families, you know, in order to get that. So now I'm working on more of the, the relationship and the body and the mind. Cause I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've gone through a lot of crap, uh, in my, in my life so far at a young age, a lot of adversity. So now I'm working on that portion, uh, of myself and, um, you know, I, I, every day I, I think for everybody, you wake up in the morning and, you know, and you're you you stare in a mirror, and you're only staring back at yourself. So, mm. like, you can have all these outside influences, all these things. At the end of the day, but like, that's that's fleeting. Um, you know, it really has to come from within, and and that's something that I like to challenge uh, people people to to make sure is that like, when you're staring in the mirror, you're doing what you want to do for you, not because of you know what everybody else is doing or or what you see out there, like. Make sure it's right for you, and that—that's business, that's personal, that's anything um, you know that you're on the fence about. Really, look yourself in that mirror and, and say, "Is this what I want to do?" So, my purpose right now is—is is to be the best version of me that I that I can possibly be. Um, go create a, a you know badass business, and then go out and and teach people how to do the same, and and you know and give back in whatever way that I can. So that's that's the future for me.
0: I love that. And I love that so much that, uh, I just have to say thank you for, for joining us on the show and sharing a little bit about yourself. And most importantly, just being out there doing what you're doing. I know you're an inspiration to a lot of people and I really appreciate what you're doing out there. So let's keep doing it. Come on. I appreciate it. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch?
1: Um, you can find me on, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook.com. I have a, um, Public page. It's Ur- the Urban Investor. Uh, same thing on uh, Instagram. You'll also hear me on the Flip Talk podcast with with Don Costa every once in a while. And um, yeah, it's pretty much it. You could just type in Ryan SCI and I'll pop up <laughs> pretty much everywhere.
0: Awesome. And we will <laughs> include links to all of that in the show notes so you can easily get get access to that. And uh, like I said, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Look forward to the next time we get a out. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to investormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.